Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. drummer Jim Newson with Urban Tech Talk on the radio. I'm Jacqueline Taylor Adams and I am your co-host for this moment in time. Um, today we are hosting our city leaders chat and as we wait for Jim Newson to come on the line, we are going to introduce some of our city leaders. So um, all the lines are open. Um, caller from the 913, introduce yourself. Uh, this is Lazone. With Graves with IBSA in Topeka. All righty. And 617? Shimon? Uh, yes, this is uh, Shimon Warden over here in Boston. Okay, great, great. Um, thank you for calling in. And um, I am going to get right to our questions, and we're going to get this show started. So how are you gentlemen today? Oh, good, good. Yeah, I'm, doing, I'm doing real well. <laughs> okay, great. Um, guess i got to go back into the FMYI. So, um, you know, the first thing we're going to start with is just each person introducing yourself. Let us know, you know, where you're from, what city you're representing, and just, you know, tell us a little bit about the person. We'll start with you, Lazon. Okay. Um, I'm representing the Kansas, Kansas area right now, sort of a, a toss-up between Kansas City uh, whether that's Kansas City, Missouri, or Kansas City, Kansas, and then there's Topeka, Kansas, which is the state capital of Kansas. Both areas uh, have potential, I believe. Um, 
go ahead. As far as um, I just want to sort of, I'm trying to think of the questions that you want me to answer. The okay, I just start with you know initial question. We just want you to um, introduce yourself. You know, you name you know which city you're working on. You know, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, are you an okay. enthusiastic love? And I know you're a dynamic business person, but you know, describe the zone great for us. Well, I'm a, a forward thinker, a critical thinker, um, really trying to do what I can with my life and uh, opportunities that were made available to me by those who fought and sweated before me to pave a way for uh, African Americans uh, involved in, I run a nonprofit organization, IBSA. We contract with state government to help those who are moving off of cash assistance with their job search, uh, program development, uh, pre-apprentice programs, and working on the IT portion of it. Um, okay. Some of the things I've done in the IT field is uh, trying to figure out how to bring connectivity to our neighborhoods, which is what inspires me about uh, what the Urban Tech Fair is about and what it wants to do. If there's some things that I'm doing in my area, how to utilize that to bring more strength to the area, to highlight uh, the need for us to make moves in our communities on educating our future on technology. That's where our big focus is right now. Uh, and trying to uh, understand the technologies on how we can bring connectivity to our neighborhoods because we can't wait for big telecoms and others to do it for us. There's, uh, the opportunity is there, the need is there, the technology is there. And uh, working on some things that deal with empowering our young people not to just use technology to surf uh, Facebook and do things that are not preparing them for the world of work, but to work with organizations that uh, we can come together and work on programs where we can work together to give our young people the different understanding and skills that they're going to need for the jobs of today and tomorrow. So that's really what uh, working on why I'm really inspired to work with the Urban Tech Fair in the Midwest area here, uh, really trying to uh, hopefully tie it all into some youth enterprise activities where young people can learn to get paid off of the skills uh, that they learn through different programs that we offer. So okay. I can't think of anything else to add. Well, it's pretty dynamic. <laughs> you are really a passionate, motivated person and purpose individual and it's great to know you and you always impart such knowledge whenever we hear you speak. Well, so we're gonna go on that. to <laughs> we're gonna go on to you, Shimon, and you know, have the same question. You know, what um you know, who's Shimon Warden, where you're from, um you know, um you know, this you know, who's the man and um you know, let us know what you do, what's your occupation. Uh well Shimon Warden, I am uh from Boston, grew up in New England. I'm originally from the, the Caribbean, so I'm a West Indian, Black American. Um, I uh, 
really enjoy kind of makes them very excited right now because of the Olympics and the whole patriotic stuff kicks in all all of it, and I like competing. Um, and it's uh, I think seeing that sparks you know now you have a. Uh, women for the first time competing in almost all the same Olympic sports as men, and, and we're getting to the, uh, a period of time where equality is no longer like a second, it's almost like a second thought. Um, hopefully that will continue to improve. So Shimon Nagai is both excited and dynamic, and but sometimes I'll sit and watch movies. Sometimes I'll try to go rollerblading and jump a car. I, I'm too old for that now, so I've got to cut, I gotta cut out that stuff. That's what my doctor tells me. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm working with a nonprofit, uh, help uh, working on some of the things with the Affordable Care Act and persons with disabilities here in Massachusetts and a few other places, um, doing some stuff with some startup companies and uh, startup technology. Uh, I have my own consulting company, so that's why I get to work with nonprofits and for-profits, and I just really enjoy solving new problems and just seeing how people uh, look at things differently. just had an opportunity recently to work with um, several teams from China on a couple of projects. And although we were both obviously being logical, we were looking at the way that they looked at the problem and put the pieces together from their historical perspective was different than I would. And I'm thinking myself as universal. And I learned so much from just interacting with them. And mm-hmm. that, that added value of, you know, 5,000 years of culture. But they, they, know, they notice things differently. And we, I, I think it, it helps you grow when you work with different, different people and you build that, build that capacity and bring that back to your community. And you start embarking knowledge on these, and, and a sense of purpose onto the, onto the younger generations. Because um, Boston's a very weird place. Uh, Greater Boston has the most universities in the entire world. I think we have 48 in the Greater Boston area. Yet we have a high rate of black, Latinos, <clears throat> and other ethnic minorities who do not go into the universities. You would think, I mean, Harvard literally is a train right away. So it's MIT, uh, Boston University, Boston College, Northeastern. They're literally rocked. There's some community college or four-year school wrapped around you at almost every turn. You're still not having high turnout, as you would expect. You would think that, you know, every kid who's qualified automatically goes right into school. Some kid from grade school would think that they're going. And it doesn't necessarily happen that way. And because people who are doing those, like uh, Macaulay also on the line, you have to go back and you have to show people the avenues. I said, this is how I walk. Don't make a mistake here, here, there. These are different pathways that you can take. Choose what you want, but you can still get to a variety of different goals. And this is an uh, expression where some people say um, everybody can go to college, but some people are saying, well, I want to go to college. And then you say, what are you going to do? I'm going to work and be a stock person. That's not practical. You know, it's not matching up. And I think that the urban tax fair and, and Many things that many of us are doing across the country, um, I think the, the Urban Tech Fair really gets a platform from that. I'm just really uh, fortunate and happy to contribute in uh, any regard um, towards that end. Okay. Now, um, Shimon, can you let us know um, exactly what um, what your area of expertise is? You, you know, you say you do problem solving and all, but, you know, are you a business strategist? You know, share with the audience what your area of expertise is. 
Um, I do uh, strategy and um, marketing and how it aligns specifically with the industry. So I have a background in um, engineering, um, nuclear electrical power, semiconductor engineering, fashion, entertainment, uh, nonprofit management. So I really take the, the notion of going into the company. The fundamentals are the fundamentals, you know what I mean? Basic business principles, connecting me with the government, looking at looking over that stuff, but then matching the culture component, how the personalities, how everything fits together with the technology, with, with the management. Where are you reinforcing what you say? And that, I, I, from my perspective, takes time and working with people to really get the organization, how you imagine it in your mind, and having your employees buy into that. And you're way more productive when you, mm-hmm. when you, when you look at things that way. Um, so I, I really enjoy that. I, I'm, uh, I want to be like the next version of like, uh, you know, McKinsey or Ernest Young, but from a brand new perspective. I don't want to copy their mythology, which is these are the big four consulting, you know, the major consulting companies in the world. Their, their mythology is well, and people do well with it, but I want to come up with like some innovative, brand new things, respecting the fundamentals, but bringing at it from a whole different perspective like enjoying that fun time with the, the, the people in China and bringing them that, bringing China's way of solving stuff to the hood, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and right. you, you learn really, really, really good stuff. Okay. Well, that's great. That's great. I see we have some very dynamic you know, individuals. And now we're going to go to the 202, to the, DM, to the D.C. area. Introduce yourself and let us know who you are. Hi, it's Enid. Can you hear me? Yes, we hear you well. Oh, wonderful. Um, I, I, I do want to say that my area of expertise is public relations, and primarily I'm dealing, I am working with a um, Boston-based uh, digital company that has an African-American executive. It is a startup company, DraftKings, if you've heard of it, to the gentleman that spoke, and she's an HBS. You know what Shimon. that is? Harvard, Harvard Business School. Yeah, he probably muted himself. Okay. But, uh, All right. Yeah, a lot of the things, I just wanted to mention that as an FYI, a lot of the things that uh, we're doing here in D.C., one of the things I'm, I'm working on is trying to help people who have a little more expertise in the actual areas of, of IT and uh, uh, working with and creating digital platforms and foundations on uh, that. Uh, we do have in uh, D.C. at least a heartfelt act- activity to try to make, uh, to bring about digital inclusion and to try to aggregate employment. So can you hear me? And try to, Hello? Yes, yes, we can hear you. It's a little feedback, but we can hear okay, you. Okay, great. And try to aggregate uh, the systems. We have a tech, you know, we have a Tilling Tech School, and I am uh, working with their robotics program. I know if you, the gentleman from Boston should be aware of FIRST Robotics. Uh, if he's not, uh, invite me offline on Facebook or something else. I will tell you all about it. They definitely have several teams in the Boston area because that's where it was founded. Um, and um, then we have a, a several meetups here 
and there are a lot of people of color that are involved in a lot of the activity that's going around in D.C. digitally. I'm sure you guys are aware that SAS Company and Inc. have named D.C. the startup, the fastest-growing startup uh, community in the country, although I just read where Forbes said it was Colorado, so I don't know. Um, but um, there is a lot of energy going on around here. And I do I want to say something else to the gentleman from Boston who's talking about, you know, Ivy schools. My daughter was Ivy, and her business partner is Latino, and they have a higher education consulting firm to help people of color to get in the elite business schools. And they they have a 97% success record. It is pricey, but they have a 97% success record. And, of course, they have day jobs, but I'm just not doing the commercial for them. I'm just letting you know it is possible. And their third business uh, partner, who is a woman, Shaquita, uh, Shaquita went to Stanford. So yeah. it's possible. Well, tell us a little bit about you, Enid. You know, you know, um, give us a one-line description about Enid. Enid is a passionate, well, excited, dynamic. You know, tell us a little bit about Enid. And, and are you from DC? Well, are you born and raised? I was in news media. I worked for Associated Press and for the local CBS radio station. And I got into corporate public relations, and uh, most recently worked for a nonprofit. Um, and uh, full-time, and now I have my own company and have a myriad of clients, including Trans Africa. I do some consultation for Black Women Do Work Out and uh, BDPA on a, on, uh, a very limited level, but I also uh, work, as I said, with the Boston-based digital company. So okay. a lot of things going on. So you still didn't give me that one sentence evening. We wanted that one line about Enid. It's about me. I I, really, I believe digital inclusion is the pathway for people of color to uh, reach higher economic economic ends, but also it's going to be imperative for our children's future. So, right. and I'm very passionate about making sure that there's a level of connectivity with all the players that can help to bring this about. And I don't care what color they are. I'm like the guy that said Chinese. They can be polka dots. They can be Martians. You know, just help our commu- elevate our community to the level it can be elevated to. And I applaud you guys, Jackie, and everybody for what you're trying to do here. Okay. All righty, you're going to bring in um, Norm Bond. Introduce yourself, Mr. Bond. Let us know what city you're hailing oh. from and... Give us a one-line description about the man, Norman Brown, and then get into your occupation. We want to know the person for a moment. Okay. My name is Norm Bond, hailing from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and um, I am a native of Philadelphia. And uh, my back, well, my uh, interest is primarily around economic development and also leveraging uh, technology and, and also work with people from the uh, grassroots level in terms of uh, empowering them, not just, uh, you know, talking to them or about them, but actually empowering them and helping them to be able to do things themselves. Okay. All right. Well, um, so, so far we have 
Zone Graves from Kansas City, Shimon Warden out from Boston, Norm Bond from Philadelphia, and Enid from the D.C. area. So that's just four of our many city leaders. And um, so we're going to move on to question two, everyone. So um, some of you guys actually um, answered this, but if you could just give us a, um, a short recap, just specifically what inspired you to become an urban tech fair city leader? You know, what is it about the urban tech fair, you know, that inspired you to want to head this up? And we're going to go with Lazon, then Shimon, then Norm, then Enid. Go ahead, Lazon. Uh, what inspired me is the uh, the approach. It's looking at a, a national, a bigger picture. Uh, of course, we do things on our local levels, but, um, I think that there's a, a bigger stage that we have to be working and coordinating with. Uh, I followed Brother Newsom for uh, numerous years, and so I can realize that he has the knowledge and expertise that I don't have in areas, uh, and I think that it's a part of uh, learning from each other, other like minds in the tech field, uh, to see what we can do to help bring the type of connectivity we know is needed to the neighborhoods we care about and just sort of uh, work together a good platform for people of our generation with our like minds to uh, be on the forefront of bringing connectivity to where uh, we live at. Mm-hmm. We're talking about neighborhoods due to budget restraints are often having schools closing and community centers closing and uh, maybe this is an opportunity of transforming those buildings in those neighborhoods to tech centers. Uh, urban tech fair is sort of like uh, energy that can uh, may not provide direct services in the community on an ongoing basis, but can be the impetus of uh, the need, necessity, and opportunities and ability to do so. Um, sort of like our Wi-Fi project in Kansas City, Kansas, even though the idea was in 2005, uh, it wasn't until Google Fiber came to town that was able to actually make it a reality because they bought energy uh, and a highlight and focus on connectivity and the pros and cons of, of it all and the digital divide and digital inclusion. But that doesn't exactly bring it down to the neighborhood level. So now we have a Wi-Fi in the area. We have a computer community tech center in the area. We need to bring uh, another energy in there, and I'm looking at something like the urban tech fair because it will be a sort of a large event put on by us Mm -hmm. with the face of us on it, and um, Mm -hmm. it will supplement the other energies that are going on putting on the map that Google isn't in town to do it all. Uh, there's things that we can do and we will do and we can do well. So um, that's really one of the main reasons. Okay. Shimon? Sorry about that, Jackie. My phone went to sleep on me. But um, <laughs> the... I normally mute myself out. Um, you know, honestly, 
you, Jackie, brought me to Urban Tech Fair two years ago yeah. when you called me back in <laughs> December 2011. We had that conversation. And, um, and I started thinking about all the things that my parents, and we, we talked about this before, my parents did for me and the members of my community and exposing me to being, bringing me to MIT, going to Harvard when I was little, down to the University of Connecticut. You know, New England has a lot of schools. And just providing ways where the idea of technology, the idea that I can do it, watching, um, you know, the Cosby show as a kid and the different worlds and where college became real. I mean, my dad had a degree, obviously, but for my life and what I was doing, college became real. I remember thinking, reflecting when I was about 16, 17 years old when I stopped hanging out with my friends out in the street. And I knew I was going. I knew I was going to be in school. And what made me make that decision? And we're talking about what um, Lazong mentioned: the connectivity, bringing the technology, nonprofit support, community, and you and you juxtapose that necessity, that human, the human need, and that economic development need of really bad policies that we've had by reducing those social constructs and the name of budgets. So now we cut these community things that save things to, and spend more money on jails and security and all these things that if we had these resources, we would spend less money on those other punitive measures, which are way more inefficient and more costly. And even when we start talking about things that are moral and right, we have to justify them in financial terms. And that conversation alone, I thought that um, the Urban Tech Fair was addressing things on multiple levels and willing to take input from all the different vast, because Kansas and D.C. and Philly and Cali and Houston and um, Washington State, they're, 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 we're all minorities, we're all black and so forth, but our, the nuances are different, and you have the, the trust to have a decentralized model. You know, there's a national architecture and these local things, and I, I found that really innovative, um, and bringing in new inf- information, and I've liked how it's matured and changed and absorbed. I mean, the theme and the belief is still the same there, but I think it's uh, it's going to be phenomenal when uh, when the when the whole thing starts rolling out. I, I think it has the potential to be one of the premier things, and and facts on communities across this nation. Okay. Norm, thank you, Shimon. Norm? Yes. Um, I, I'm inspired to uh, become a Urban Tech Fair leader, uh, similarly because of uh, Jim Newsom and, and Jackie, you know, because I watched with how you all have worked to uh, keep the concept out there, to be consistent, having worked on a lot of projects myself. I mean, my background is in, in marketing and promotions and, you know, also with technology, but I've worked on a lot of national projects and I've seen them fall off. So, you know, even though I've been active and involved via some of the social media around the Urban Tech Fair, um, I've, I've seen a lot of projects fall off, you know, as they as they go. And I know there's still uh, good ways to go with this, but, I, but I've known, you know, Jim probably close to 10 years and you similar uh time frame and i so the people i think are are right the leadership is good the concept i think is is timely uh when i look at 
uh, ways to level, uh, to some degree, the playing field. Uh, I think technology, the intersection of technology with um, with economics and education, and, and uh, can, can really yield some great results. And there's not a lot of focus in terms of bringing technology uh, into the black community. I mean, here in Philadelphia, still over 40% of the people don't have access to the Internet, and even some who have access aren't using it in an empowering way. So I think the Urban Tech Fair uh, can do that locally as well as, as was mentioned, uh, allow us to connect nationally and even globally. So, you know, that's why, you know, I'm, I'm here and, and looking to uh, to learn and share and, uh, and you know, and help build this thing out. Thank you. Um, Enid? Well, it was 2001 when I started working with a guy named Archie Prelo and some other community folks. Uh, Archie opened a, uh, a computer center in Southwest. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us, and he uh, fell on some hard times just before uh, he passed. But he was kind of the first person that introduced me to the notion that we needed to connect uh, minorities, particularly African-Americans, even to com- basic computer usage. He had the seniors, he had churches involved, et cetera. Um, I then um, got involved in robotics through uh, a former uh, boyfriend, well, shit, I'm too old to say it, but, you know, former boyfriend, but, um, and uh, got reintroduced to the, to the whole tech culture um, through a, a couple of people, um, one of them is Peter Corbett, who some of you guys may know. Uh, he's out of D.C. and he runs D.C. Tech. And then, um, you know, continued my education into my personal education and started working with some of the tech schools and tech hubs, uh, ma- mainly uh, Cardoza Trans Tech Trans STEM Academy, and got knowing what was going on. I, I, what really stirred uh, this for me is what I saw Jim doing, and I was attending. We had a, I don't know if they had one in Philadelphia or I think they had one in Boston, though. They had a social media week, uh, which Peter Corbett actually, his company actually organized. And it was around the time that Jim was starting to talk about the Urban Tech Fair on, through social media. And I said, you know, that's a great idea. You know, instead of like a black expo, have something that actually is going to engage people and educate people in a in a real way, and I said, this is you know like the social media week. That, you know, to me, the model that you started putting together, Jackie, when you were putting initial packaging together, was very much like the social media week that I saw here. And then we also had here another thing called DC Week, which also embodied a lot of the things you know where people went to a lot of the tech hubs here, like Living Social or the Microsoft Office or the Google Office, and there were panel discussions about digital usage and building and careers and things like that. Um, so that's how I kind of got inspired, you know, maybe about, but, you know, actually putting it to energy because our workforce is changing. Everything we do is mobile and or digital in, in some function. Okay. Um, Enoch, may I... Um 
can I um, get the name of your company and your website? Because I'm putting oh, yeah. it in the in chat my, room. The name, the name of my company, my website is still a work in progress, guys. Okay. Um, I do know. I did, I should have built it on Squarespace, selling me, but you know, I worked with a guy who transferred some, uh, you know, did some coding for me with WordPress because I have blogs on WordPress. Uh, but the website is www. Of course, it's Inspire I N S P R Media. dot com. And what else did you ask for, Jackie? Um, no, just the name of your company, Inspire Media. Oh, it's Inspire Media. Inspire Media. Okay, great. Great. Okay. So um, if anyone would like to call in, our call-in number is 646-716-7994. You can call in and speak with um, our city leaders, ask any questions you choose to ask, make suggestions. If you live in um, in these various cities, um, you can't get involved because each um, city is forming um, um, an organizing committee. And as many people want to help, they're looking for dedicated volunteers. As long as you're passionate and committed, you know, they're looking for volunteers to make sure that um, the Urban Tech Fair can manifest in each city. So um, I just want to check to see if you have any more callers. Okay. So I'm going to go to the third question. And um, for everyone, and this time we're going to start with you, Enid, then Norm, uh-huh. then Shimon, and then um, Lazon. So what are what would you consider the technological strengths of your city? Well, you know, what what are the technological strengths? And then what are what do you feel are the disparities? I'm going to start with you, Norm. Okay. Are you going to start with Norm or are you going to start with me? I'm sorry, Enid. Start with you, Enid. Okay. I, I think one of the strengths is that there is widespread support uh, there are, um, and I think that our city, that in D.C. proper, the city leadership is taking the helm. Um, as many of you guys know, because you probably are back and forth here with your careers, Northern Virginia has been in the loop, and now Bethesda um, is, the, you know, the home to now five uh, former Silicon Valley firms. Uh, so there is a growth spurt in terms of uh, entities that actually do provide technical support to the nation and to the world, really. Uh, a lot of those, you know, they, they, they're they constantly making this cry of a lack of talent, and that's where there's the disparity. We have a school we have school systems in D.C., and I can say my daughter went to public schools, and so I have nothing against public schools, you know, proper, but they are antiquated and they are, not really embracing this innovation that's all around them. By example, Cardoza Trans Tech is three blocks away from the Affinity Lab, and the guy said, oh, I'd love to go. You know, I ran into the head of the Affinity Lab. He said, we'd love to, you know, have them come and do a tour of some of the businesses and the things that we're developing over there. So, you know, they're still like, okay, well, we get a big pot of money from Lockheed Martin. And so we'll take our money from BIA, BIA Systems as the headquarters here. We'll take that. But they're not looking at some of the things that, you know, all you, you, know, you guys are involved with, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm and I, or the clients I'm relating to on, a, on that smaller scale, the future Ubers of the world, and et cetera, et cetera. You know, they're not, they're not 
connecting the dots to them. And that and therefore they're kind of like restricting the ability of these young people to innovate and, and integrate even the ones that have the technical aptitude. The other thing too that's very sad here, uh, and I'm finding out because and I I've actually already known is that there is, you know, people it's it's kinda of hidden because it's the nation's capital, but poverty is reality. You know, a lot of times, you know, like when I'm doing a raw bus, if I'm bringing pizzas, you know, I have pizzas for the, you know, the 12 to 15 or 30 kids that are on the team, and you, when you're walking in the door with them, you see the kids there clearly. And it's not just kids being kids. These kids, you know, like a, like a, like a lot of the teachers said, these kids don't eat. The only meal they get is at their school. So the poverty is pretty real, too. Okay. Norm? Okay, I think the, um, you said the strengths and the weaknesses. The strengths, I think, in terms of Philly, would be that it's the fifth largest market, you know, in the country. So it's a large market. Uh, it's uh, located, you know, geographically uh, in a strategic uh, position. And so being in that, with those ge- geographic uh, advantages and historic advantages, it attracts uh, capital. It attract, right now the city is growing. It's attracting um, more tech-related uh, companies are, are coming here as well as uh, more people uh, who are graduating from the schools. There's a push to get them to stay here. So uh, also Philly is known for uh, meds and eds. There are a lot of uh, hospitals and a lot of uh, educational institutions in terms of colleges and universities that are here. And then there's a lot of, of growth because it is such an old city. You're seeing things like the Naval Yard and, and so forth being grown. And, and there was a piece in uh, in Fortune magazine a few months back that called it Smart City, and it talked about all these opportunities and so forth. The that, So those are some of the strengths. The weaknesses, however, are similar to what was mentioned about D.C. Gentrification is running rampant um, across uh, Philadelphia. The prison industrial complex is growing. Uh, we just opened a, uh, I should say we, they just opened a um, youth study center, which is not a library. It's like a kitty jail, $50 million um, project to put um, young people in uh, to prepare them to go into uh, the adult jail also, the city has the number one poverty rate of any of the ten largest cities, and so you see, even in you know this big divide between you know the haves and the have-nots, and I often say to people that when you see these things, you have to ask, well, who benefits from these conditions? Because you know a lot of people uh, are, are victims in a way, and they, and they and they wonder, well, how can this disparity exist? And I say, well, you got to look for all of the things that you're you're complaining about and someone's benefiting on the other side of that. And so I'm saying that to say even as I look at the weaknesses, if something is not put out to counter those weaknesses and specifically targeting the black community, of which I'm a part of, then they're going to continue. They have continued, you know, for hundreds of years. So um, I think that's the uh, the, uh, the strengths and the weaknesses, and I'll close with this, which is that just this week, uh, one of the things that's happened is we're seeing more of what I call uh, these desperate crimes where uh, yesterday there was a big rally because 
women have some you know, some women have been having their pocketbooks snatched and um, after being killed over these pocketbooks. So a sister started you know, had a big rally because you know you're seeing and you're seeing more of these kind of desperate kind of people uh, snatching cigarettes out of a convenience store and robbing convenience stores with guns to get you know ten packs of cigarettes. So I don't see the jobs coming back. You know, and I think that unless tech is is leveraged to help create jobs and help empower people, that um, you know it's going to just get worse over time. So those are strengths and weaknesses of the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. All right, Shimon. All righty. Um, once again, very similar. I think Boston is a. Uh, my hometown, the Bean, is is unique for our urban city in the fact that Boston's really a collection of like 25, 27 neighborhoods. And when I returned to Boston, I've lived in Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, Atlanta, uh, a couple of South Carolina, New York City. When I re- New York is similar. When I return to Boston, I no longer necessarily am just African American or Latino. I could be specifically a West Indian person from Barbados, and mm-hmm. my neighborhood where, where, um, where I'm at, uh, I was my parents' house is it's in the old hood. It's part like it's on a hill where the back side of the hill, one side of the hill is wealthy, the other side of the hill is poor, is not affluent. And my parents' house was right on the top, right, uh, on the, the wealthy side of the street. And as a result, as far as infrastructure, we have underground electricity all the way through on both sides. We have underground Internet. The brown, you know, the brown band is supposed to be fast, even though they throttle it and then they're not supposed to. Um, and you start seeing that the city is building a lot of this infrastructure stuff and addressing some of the problems that they have. Um, throughout the city, uh, even in classical bad neighborhoods, because we have bad, poor white neighborhoods too. We have poor Irish neighborhoods in, in, in South Boston that if you're not white Irish, you don't go there because it's, it's a hood for them. Yeah. And you have all that. And at the same time, you have the Harvard, the MIT, you have the rich private equity places, you have um, innovative libraries and so forth. But people don't always leave. They leave for work. But your neighborhood has your food. It has your identity. It has your family members. It has your language. Um, so there's a block down the way where you can be um, Cape Verdean. You can't tell a Cape Verdean from a Dominican or a black American, per se, unless you're from here, you can tell. But they have their um. Excuse their me one moment, Shimon. When, when you're done, because I'm, I, I'm a I have coming in, but when you're done, just go right on to um, the zone. You guys just carry on, okay? Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so that, that's one of the interesting things that that, that makes um, Boston Creek unique and pretty interesting. Um, the reason that that happens is we're having a high level of gentrification ourselves. Um, needless, like most places with large suburbs. The, the white affluents want to return to the city because it's taken long to get here. You know, we have a um, pretty good uh, subway system, and they want to go. And so that's growing in, and they're trying to make the safety. But if they do public safety, there are no avenues. They're arresting and putting young men in jail, mainly men, 
and you're having uh, those contributions to poverty with your single uh, single parent families, um, uh, food disparities, and a uh, bunch of factors that many people are aware of. And there's little upward mobility in developing human capital, which is the social things, the familiarity with technology, which is a requirement to do well and the pathways to affluence and wealth in our society. If you don't have access to human capital, the likelihood, uh, especially if you're a minority, is poverty and jail. And that's just the reality of, our, of a technology-based technology -based society. And we're not having those avenues. You know, Boston still buses. He still bus students out of Boston with the history of public education to the suburbs where these kids are on the bus for like 90 minutes in the morning. They come back home. They don't get home until 6 o'clock at night. They're exhausted. And we're spending resources on busing, which people still don't like, rather than developing all the schools locally within the municipality and the, small, and the other neighborhoods around, the other towns around, to make sure that every school where every child goes to, it's up to standard, that they have sports, that they have the band. So there's, there's a considerable amount of issues with, um, with the city. Um, and on even an economic development plan, um, the city's also in flux because we're switching mirrors. But I've been going on long enough. Uh, Lazone, you want to take this? Okay. Um, <laughs> thanks for sharing, though. I was following what you were saying. Uh, from our Kansas perspective, Kansas City, uh, Topeka, which is the state capital, uh, the strength I would find is uh, I'll go back to the Google Fiber, choosing the greater Kansas City area to roll out their project. Even though our projects don't utilize Google Fiber, what they did do was bring energy and uh, they did a study on connectivity that really broke down a lot of the information that uh, decision makers could use as far as what areas were connected, what areas weren't, what was the breakdown of usage based on race and sex and income. And looking at that data, you could probably say that that's a snapshot of any urban city. Um, now, our project was first based off of trying to utilize Google Fiber, but when we were not able to get it passed through there, uh, there was another group, Connecting for Good, who was also trying to use Google Fiber for a wireless mesh network, and they didn't get theirs passed neither, but they had uh, someone who understood uh, the microwave technology. Now, since Google Fiber has come to town which is the reason I think the Kansas City area is a strong, uh, has its strengths, because they brought that information to the forefront. And what the, uh, if you don't have connectivity, what happens? Now that more than 80% of companies requires a person to go online to apply for work, in Kansas City, Kansas public school systems, all high school students receive a laptop that they can take home. Uh, more schools are allowing students to do online assignments or turn their information in online or connecting with parents about their performance and stature of their kids. Uh, Google Fiber is a fiber to home initiative, whereas people who live in low-income housing 
don't have the uh, means, financial means, of bringing it. That's why doing a wireless network was the best option, and we could also come in cheaper than uh, Google, what they were proposing to a housing development. Uh, now, this was just an idea, but uh, eventually in 2005, but it wasn't until Google came to town that I was able to reintroduce the idea of putting a wireless network together uh, for the largest and oldest public housing development in the state of Kansas in the tract of Northeast Wyandotte County, which is the poorest tract in the state of Kansas as well, and it's predominantly black. I'm just saying all of this to say that we have to have ideas and we have to follow through and implement them. We can't wait for big telecom companies or even behemoths uh, like Google to come into our neighborhoods. I believe that we have uh, the technological expertise amongst us, and if we can focus our efforts so that uh, Detroit or some city that's not in the urban tech fair want to identify a neighborhood, that they want to bring wireless technology to their neighborhood, that they would be a team of black folk across the nation who could swoop in for a couple of days, do the feasibility assessment, tell how much it's going to cost, and then help get the technology and put it together. Uh, so the disparities that I see in whether it's Kansas City uh, or Topeka is uh, that even though the uh, Wi-Fi project has now created across the street a community computer tech, tech center, which is a must-have in a neighborhood. You have your Wi-Fi and you have a tech center where you can be in control of creating the type of programs that you know are needed for the neighborhood. Uh, uh, but that's just one center that has come up, and there's a larger area to cover in Wyandotte County, in Topeka, in other urban neighborhoods. So that's where the disparity is. There's not enough tech centers, not community centers that have mostly basketball and hanging out, not libraries where most young people go to chat on Facebook, uh, and not uh, some other places that just don't have that bent on learning and advancing. So closing the uh, disparity of the number of community computer tech centers is one of the uh, – disparities that I see are, that's in the neighborhood that we're working with. Hopefully, if this project with the Wi-Fi and the community center uh, breeds results, then we will have an uh, easier chance of replicating it in other uh, neighborhoods within the Kansas City area uh, and then other places that we will be working in. But more importantly is the the ambiance of the by cities on technology, entrepreneurship, uh, because Google Fiber came to town, that really gives Kansas City uh, a big advantage in having an urban tech fair as a part of our efforts to help them with the digital inclusion, closing the digital divide, uh, educating the local population. Now that you have a Wi-Fi and a tech center, these are the global applications that you can use the, the, uh, the possibilities of a global scale that you can use just by looking into that screen right across the street from the projects. So um, I'm finished on that note. <laughs> All right. 
you know, everybody was great, you know. You, you guys really gave us a great picture, you know, about um, what's good and, and what each um, city's disparities. And then we also see as urban centers that there still is a similarity. Like, um, basically, the urban areas aren't being as serviced as the, you know, main and central areas. And there is, um, you know, there's still economic disparity and access disparity, um, which seems to be a common thread. And, um, you know, the do-for-self nature of the urban tech fair, you know, um, will allow us to, you know, close some of those disparities, you you know, to just leverage what we have. Once we, you know, when we realize that we really have everything we need right in our communities. So we had two more questions in about ten more minutes. So we're gonna this time we're gonna um, we're gonna start back with you, um, Enid, and go to Norm, Shimon, and Lazone. And our next question is: um, Each city, um, the Urban Tech Fair, there's a three-day tech challenge that goes on in each city. And during that challenge, um, each city determines what format that challenge will take. It will either develop an app or a game. And then, um, so we want to know what are you going to develop and and what issue? Because the tech challenge is is to address an issue or help solve a problem that, you know, that's relevant to that community. So, just was curious if you knew um, for your tech challenge, were you going to do an app or a game, and what issue would you address with your tech challenge? Start with you, Enid. Enid? Oh, I'm sorry, Enid. Wait a minute. We didn't hear you. Go ahead, Enid. We couldn't hear you. Yeah, we can hear you now. After, Okay. Actually, I'm gonna answer that challenge like that that question like a true PR person, and, and not and and not answer it uh, because there are, we have resources for both. Um, I think in terms of you know creating the infrastructure that we're still working on creating the infrastructure, but I would lean toward uh, the app being more uh, something that is more doable along the lines, or even in in this case, and I will talk to you offline a gadget because we, I think we can get some additional help, you know, so it may be a gadget. You know, I'm not just saying we're going to build another 3D printer, folks, but, you know, something along those lines. Okay, so I guess we need to add a gadget as our, our third option. And I guess we need to just do a show on gadgets, you know, um, and, and the redefinition of it. Um, you know, we've been using that word a long time from Inspector Gadget on, but you know, you know, I guess we need to redefine or give a, a global definition now for gadget for everyone else. But thank you, Enid. So we're going to go on to Norm. Okay. Um, I, also, before I jump in real quick, I just wanted to uh, definitely uh, co-sign on what was said earlier by um, Lazone, I think it was, who was talking about yeah. what's going on in Kansas City. Because in terms of looking to address these issues ourselves and not be dependent on big uh, companies, because here in Philadelphia, we had Wireless Philadelphia, which was set up back in like 2008. It was it was hyped as being this turning the city into this huge um, hot spot. In fact, it was like the first uh, in the nation. Uh, it was going to be the largest uh, wireless hotspot in the country. And uh, Earthlink, who was 
putting that in, ended up pulling the plug on it. It never really caught on. Uh, the city ended up buying what was left of the network for about $2 million back in like 2009, 2010. And it was a lot of politics and uh, that was run into because here in Philly, you got Comcast as headquarters here, Verizon as headquarters here. And even though, so here you had all of, you know, so you had Verizon, Comcast, Earthlink, three major companies, and yet at the end of all of that, there was no wireless network that was ever functional and put in place, even though it was promoted as being this way to provide low-cost Internet access to the poor. You know, And, and so if that could happen um, at that time, and like I said, this, this was like 2008, 2009, certainly uh, you know, we should learn from that and not be dependent on these uh, large multi-billion or multi-million dollar entities and think that that is going to be some type of silver bullet to address these issues. Um, in terms of what um, we're looking at doing in Philly, I mean, that's still under um, consideration. Um, I'm leaning, once you know, I get with the team here, um, I, I would lean more towards a game than an app. I think, you know, gamification is something that uh, – could be of interest because one, we Philly has a lot of sports teams, major sports teams, has a lot of colleges, um, has you know high school uh, uh, sports is big. So um, there's a lot of ways I think that if you put some type of uh, you know game gamification and involve some of the uh, social media, some of the mobile things into that, we could get a lot of interest and participations, and it may even be something that could be monetized, um, you know, for participants. So that's my initial thought. But once, um, like I said, we meet with some of the other folks on the team, you know, we'll be able to confirm that. And um, just for Philadelphia, and, you know, put that off on Norm, because he's, you know, he's new with starting. We actually started up a couple of years ago. But um, one of the things that was proposed was the issue of recidivism and using a game to help teach um, technology skills to um, people coming out of prison to give them, um, you know, higher earning skills. Mm-hmm. So to yeah, reduce the recidivism rate. See, I had to, you had to put me on the spot, and then you, now you bring up the, what you've been working on for two years. See, this, this is what we're yeah. going through. No, that was this is why I'm we can't move forward as a people. The wanted to this do something exactly like why. see with Philadelphia. We got, we have a lot of neighborhoods too, um, Shimon and Philadelphia. We're holding the resources. So what you're saying? All the different here, people had different things, but see, we already, even though we didn't discuss it, we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> using the gamification as, as an instructional model. Absolutely, and recidivism, which is something we certainly have seen grow. I mean, they had a job, a jobless, a job fair here over the summer for ex-offenders, and they expected three, four hundred people to show up. It ended up being more like three or four thousand people. Yeah. Um, another poor example of the city planning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They couldn't handle. <laughs> okay, Shimon, can you? Um... Let us know what you're looking at for Boston. Um, that's a good thing. Uh, Boston, we have a similar thing. Um, if you go app, game, we can even do gadget. There's a lot of resources there, even within our, in our in our youth. Um, and uh, I was looking to do something partnering with uh, another fair that goes on in the, in the August time. So we're going to discuss it with the uh, with the new mayor. 
Uh, hopefully, because we need to get real support from uh, City Hall, huge transition going on, a lot of politics in, in, in our space. Um, or we will just uh, marry it along. Uh, the technical aspect is um, less key, uh, worried about because, you know, we have a lot, many educational resources here. Um, you could always get MIT to come out. If you're saying technology, they come in Northeastern. Northeastern is another university here. They're doing a lot of stuff within the community. Both of them own a lot of property, Boston University as well. Um, I think that the, one of the issues that we're having that we've been talking about is uh, the, making it practical for the, for the youth out there with technology. Um, and the other issue that we have is that we have a lot of linguistic barriers since we have so many languages that are spoken here who are, okay. we have like, yeah, many of the, the, the diaspora of Africanists. Uh, are here, and there's so many different languages that are spoken. Maybe people all speak English, hopefully, but the, that might not be their mother tongue. And they, or they'll bring, you know, the, the, the child learns this new technology because, you know, technology is the expectation. You no longer put, I know Microsoft Word. That's a given for a job. You have to know Microsoft Word, you know. Um, and if, how are you going to follow those instructions? If you're, you speak another language and the, the child is learning, you have these barriers. So I think something that addressed maybe some linguistic barriers. We also have All right, that's a good idea. I'm yeah. going to give you an idea um, to name it. Y'all should name it Coded Language with a K. Name it Coded, coded Language with a K. Yeah. Yo, Dragon mm-hmm. actually speaking is actually here. They're in the, the northern part of the state. And they have, I've talked to them about something else, but they have the technology to do stuff. Uh, I think what we, we've had, and we've all mentioned this, is that all these really fascinating and talented people throughout the black community in the United States, and we're separated or we're making other communities very wealthy, and we're not sharing with each other. Um, that, that's a serious barrier that uh, um, hopefully we'll be addressed. Yeah. Okay. Um, Lazon. What would you what would you be considering for Kansas? Um, at this point, I can't really say. Uh, there's sort of trying to assess the the populations. There are the young people uh, who may be more adept to apps and games, which really is coding. Uh, and then there are those who are maybe younger adults, 25, 27, 30 years old at my age, uh, who may also be interested in coding but may want to, it may not be something that they can advance to uh, or interested in uh, within the time frame, the 30 days of the Urban Tech Fair. Well, the tech challenge is, um, just to share with everybody how it works, your tech challenge is three days. And, we, you know, like we have a vendor that comes on and put on a three-day tech tech challenge, and it's something, like in the sense of a hackathon. So, you know, all those people that are interested in those type things, they come out, you know, they brainstorm, and at the end they come out with, you know, a model or product. So they're taught, you know, Uh how to develop it, um, they're, then they're um, they're going to develop it, and and they'll come out with a model, and they'll even be taught the business aspects of it. Now, for nationally, what we're going to do, we're working with this young man named Ty McDuffie, 
and everybody can visit www.stockofyou.com. And um, that's S-T-O-C-K of the letter U.com. And he has actually developed a own, like, crowdfunding, crowdsourcing platform, and we want to use that platform for our tech challenges. So, like, at the end of the tech challenges that everyone, you know, has designed everything, we will put those up on our on our crowd our own crowdfunding platform, and really work in um, you know leverage our community and resources to help get these um, these technologies funded. Okay. So, you know, well, mm-hmm. I guess what I would uh, if if there is any ability to deviate from if it's just apps or games. Uh, well, we have gadgets to... now. Gadgets seems to be a way, and I think gadgets fits that middle of the road. It fits the younger people, but I think gadgets also fits our older adults as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but whatever. You, if you have a fourth option, whatever option you have, we can you definitely. We're creating it. So. <laughs> okay. Well, I would like to uh, have considered, uh, because of the time frame it would take to, I mean, I've been doing HTML forever, and I'm still having problems with CSS3, you know, and some HTML5. That's taken me longer than five days. Uh, but uh, having them do some things that will be a skill that we will need when the event is over, uh, maybe building responsive websites for some of the small businesses or organizations, something that they could just sort of uh, do as a project, that will actually be able to be used by – I can find some small black businesses that probably need something, but uh, we can – teaching them, we need young people or want to train them in building websites with WordPress anyway. Uh, they already have some responsive sites, and it would at least hopefully pique their interest on knowing what goes on behind the scenes when they are visiting a website. Uh, then maybe we can uh, sort of then move them to understanding the code that eventually can lead to app or game development. Uh, I don't know if three days. Well, just to let you know, uh, these tech challenges and hackathons, they go on across the country. Every, every day there's one going on. So they'll attract the people that are into it. So generally, like what what we're doing is opening up for the people that don't know that where they can watch the process. But the people that yeah. actually be on and developing, that's what they do. You know, they're into that. And yeah. And, and you'd be surprised in your neighborhood and in your community mm-hmm. is young people to old people who do that. So it will attract that group. And they generally look in, um, up to 100 people. But then we also want to make it a format where people want to learn. They can just come and sit and watch. They don't have to do the development, but they can watch the process if they're interested. So, yeah. um, yeah, you know, because it doesn't – there's so there'll be so many different things going on. So wherever your interest lies, there'll be something for everybody. But, yeah. Um, and I, 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 and I think the idea of, of inviting people to the process is what's wonderful about this. It's because a lot of people aren't aware that our folks are doing that. And that said, I did, you know, we're not, I'm not trying to bend the rules a little bit, but there is also blackcrowdfunding.net, 
And I say, heck, why not go to Kickstarter or someplace else, you know, if we can, if, you know, if you're open, you know, if we, if we don't have an exclusive arrangement with this guy. No, so, arrangement is great. The, the guy is just designing yeah, something for us. I mean, yeah, you could okay. get on other platforms. Okay. Yeah, nothing's stopping us from getting on other crowdfunding platforms. It's not that. It's okay. just when we design a platform where we're just showcasing our tech challenges. So instead of, you know, there being there in the midst of several thousand people, you're only there in the midst of however many, you know, it's, it's a smaller I, entity, I, and we're bringing everyone there. That, that sounds Yeah. That sounds, and and the way he crazy. does it, it's not just standard. It, it is a crowdfunding mechanism in the fact that it's funding, funded by crowds. But he has a unique twist on how he does it. And if you visit the stock of you, he, he really has a unique twist on how he assigns value and how different people invest. So, it, you know, it's just a twist, but, the, you know, conceptually it is a crowdsourcing, crowdfunding um, format. But, you know, it, it, but it doesn't, you know, keep us from going anywhere else. But just because it's unique and this black man designed it and, you know, um, you know, why not, again, partner and collaborate with someone from our own community? God, hey, so, I, sounds wonderful. Yeah. I was just, you know, the, yeah. I uh, The other thing is, you know, because I've, I've, I've got to, believe it or not, I've got to finish, finish working on media list, and I just wanted to say that, um, to, you know, at one of these social media weeks, you guys, there apparently some guy, and he had just learned how to code or something in Ghana, he figured out a way to get on top of a cell tower. He ended up giving free tech service to 50 million people across, you know, West Africa. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it's like he just figured out a way to do it. And then the third thing I want to tell you, Jackie, is that I tweet, did a tweet out and I tagged, dig, you know, Digital Undivided, and we have a new somebody from Atlanta that's interested in joining the group. Great, great, great. And just okay. to share with and everyone, um, Enid is great, too. She's recruiting uh, some volunteers, in, including um, a woman, Jerry, who was the former tech um, editor for USA Today. So she's helping really get um, getting people aboard. Now, we just had one more question, and it's our closeout question. Normally we say 30 seconds, but we're giving each person a minute, and we're going to close out on this. And this time we're going to start with you, Luzon, then Shimon, then Norm, and we're going to end with you, um, Enid. And it's just you have 60 seconds and a whole world listening. Give us your city's call to action, you know, um, how you want to encourage people to get involved, and then give us any wisdom you like to impart. You have 60 seconds and a whole world listening. Go ahead, Lazon. Okay. Uh, my call to action for the Urban Tech Fair in the greater Kansas City area is because we've come to a time where our communities need us. We have the intelligence, the smarts, the know-how, and we also have uh, a great opportunity. As we see our neighborhoods crumbling, we are the ones who can now come home and help them to bring them out of disarray. Um the wisdom that I want to impart is that we've come to a point in time where the best of us is yet to come. The challenges that we have are the very challenges that we are supposed to have, and it's um, high time. I think there's the, the willpower to begin to address it. 
So that's why I want people who are forward thinkers, ready to roll up their sleeves, get involved, and make this happen. That's it. Mo? Uh, I think that, you know, it's, it's fantastic everything's going on. Um, I called action to, to, you know, Boston, which is one of the oldest cities in North America, um, is that it's it's time for um, we in black American, we in African American community to set to be part of the world standard and set ourselves at the world world standard. And I really believe that in a um, socioeconomic development that's based on technology, that we can start leapfrogging some of these institutional problems that we've had, and that Boston and uh, has the resources, the educational resources, and some of the infrastructures that when we work together can uh, provide opportunities for these types of vehicles. And we, can, we, we need, a, as people of color, to stop trying to divide ourselves as much as possible. You know, that person speaks Spanish or French or, you know, Arabic or whatever, you got enough enemies. Why would you, structural things against you? Why would you want to divide yourselves up even further? And that we should start really working together and use this platform to. You might not get business necessarily here in Boston, but somebody in Kansas City, you could get a customer in California. You could be over there in, in Africa, and then you can grow. And with through growth, you can help your family out. You can help your friends out, and you can uh, go over and do better. And I uh, think that that is something that the overall city is a, is open to, that the governor is open to. And when you talk what they're interested in, you get help for yourself, which is what we need here in Boston and also throughout the, throughout the, uh, throughout the nation. Okay. Norm, thank you, Shimon. Thank you, Lazon. Okay, my um, call to action, I don't know, Jack, if you already had something, um, you know, two years ago, but <laughs> I would say um, get digital or die trying. You know, I think that we have to understand, like, what the power is. We have more tools at our disposal than ever before, even though we have more challenges. Um, I say that the device that people have on their hip is more powerful than the computers that I was selling, you know, 20 years ago. It's a time of great opportunity. And imagine if some of our ancestors like uh, Marcus Garvey would have had access to a Twitter or a Facebook or Harriet Tubman and what they could have done. And when I look at the fact that Marcus Garvey could organize 6 million black people worldwide, without even having a fax machine that, you know, for us in this time with all the tools and, and gadgets and things at our disposal that, you know, we really have, uh, you know, no excuses. So that's what I would say to people. And, um, and, and uh, we'll, like I said, hash that out, I guess, further. But um, that's it. And, um, you know, my website people can check out is normbond.com. Okay. Enid? Uh, my call to action is, 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 is to echo the wonderful things that have been said by the other folks on the phone and to unite. Uh, there's a lot going on. We need to unite, D.C., unite and connect uh, and stop complaining. And, you know, gentrification is not, the, it's, it's not a barrier. You can see it as an opportunity. Um, and then um, I also want to tell people, because I just gave me my website, but you can follow me on Twitter, 
at Small Biz Boomer. That's my Twitter. Okay. Well, thank you all. Thanks to all the city leaders that called in for the City Leaders Forum. It was very informative. Um, It's going to start a great dialogue and really help move us forward. For everyone listening, just go to www.urbantechfair.org. You click on um, participating cities. You'll see the different cities. You'll be able to contact each person. Uh, You can send them an email. Um, Make sure that you click on join and you click on that you want to participate in the city. And they're going to start this week. They're going to start sending emails to um, the people that you know have signed up in the area to work on a city team. So we're going to start um, organizing locally, and um, we're just excited. So just be a part of the movement. Again, that's www.urbantechfair.org. And then for our city leaders, we started off with Lazone Gray, and that's www.i b s a hyphen inc inc dot org and then we have Shimon Warden with S A I F Consultancy and is that um Shimon is that www dot s a i f consultancy dot com? You don't have to do the www. It's not necessary. Okay, and then um, of course we had Norm Bond. Um, and associates, and it's www.normbond.com, and we have Enid Doggett, and you can find her on Twitter at. Would you say Small Biz Enid? I said Small Biz Boomer, or at Inspire Small Biz Boomer, or at INSPR Media, InspireMedia.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alrighty, so everyone have a, a great week, and, you know, we'll be meeting throughout the week. So um, thank you again. And enjoy. All right, thanks, everyone. Great meeting you all over the, over the uh, phone here. Thank you, everybody. Same, same, same.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.